Hey everybody, you're listening to the Talk Your Sass Show. I'm your host, Jenna Bewentz. You can catch me on the internet as Jen Talks Tech. As you know, this is a show featuring stories and conversations about what it really means to be a black and brown woman in tech and to be sex- successful in your careers. What it takes to climb to the top of the success ladder, the good, the bad, the ugly, the glow up, the traumatic, and how we heal and learn lessons along the way. Per usual, I'm talking about luxury lifestyles, rich mindsets, using your high impact, high earning tech career to build generational wealth. Okay, let's get into it. Let's talk some sass. We have Naisha White on this episode, y'all. She dropped so many gems from how to build your career confidence, as well as her career journey, her career origin story in UX, how to be an expensive consultant or contractor, and how to find those opportunities She also talked about her self-care routine and what she does to implement self-care a little bit in her everyday. Okay, into the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Talk Your Sass show. I'm your host, Jenna Bewent, and today we have our second special guest host on the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Naisha. She is an experienced designer, a community builder. She's also the founder of two dope communities, Birmingham Black Techies and Black Tech Takeover. She's a fellow No Code fan. We are team team No Code, so I'm so happy to bring um, another Black woman who is team No Code in this tech world. She's a tech enthusiast. She has a CS major, but is now team no code, which I think is awesome. Started as a graphic designer. And then later she found user experience, which she feels like is her sweet spot. So let's get into it. Let's just start our conversation for today. So let's go back to early Naisha. What was your first job? Oh gosh, my very first job. Are you talking like? Are you talking about my yeah. first real job or my first? No, like first in life. Like first in life. Okay, my first in life job. I was sixteen and I worked at KB Toys, and it was the perfect job for a teenager because I wasn't doing nothing. It was very slow, <laughs> and this was actually like a year before KB Toys started closing around everywhere. So it was very slow and. And it was fun because I got to play with toys and things in my downtime. So I loved working at KB Toys. <laughs> that was my first job. That's a cool, very cool first job and kind of like gets you into design and user experience, really like playing with the toys and doing all that stuff. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so good for you. Is, is KB Toys like a Toys R Us? Yeah, it's like an off-brand, cheaper version of Toys R Us. <laughs> it's where people could go if they didn't want to spend the bucks at Toys R Us. They could go to gotcha. KB Toys and get a cheaper deal. So that's what KB Toys was. And ours was located in the mall. So I got to do a lot of people watching and stuff in our downtime. So I love working there. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, let's go even further back and talk about like your origin story. I like to ask people about their eight-year-old self and like their younger self and what their dreams were. Like, what did, what did she want to be? What was she about? And I asked this question because there's these studies that show that women 
start to change into like who the world wants them to be and kind of change their dreams, change what they think when they're, it starts off at eight, believe it or not. So that's why I said the number eight, because that's the time that usually happens for most women. So what is the eight-year-old Naisha like? And what does she dream about? What are her big ideas? Um, so first of all, I think I did not know that about eight being the age where people kind of start to change. That's really cool. But eight-year-old me was very quiet. I was very much a teacher's pet. <laughs> I loved going to school. I loved reading. I was a bookworm. I still do love reading. But as far as what I wanted to be, um, let me see, at eight years old, hmm, it's all hard for me to remember because I was one of those kids that I feel like I changed what I wanted to be a lot. But at eight, I probably wanted to be a lawyer. I feel like that maybe was what I was thinking about at that time. And um, and honestly, I didn't even know what a lawyer did other than I just saw him on TV and it seemed like it was something cool. So And it seemed like they made a lot of money. So um, one thing I always knew, always, even before eight, I just wanted to make money. Like, literally, that was my goal. <laughs> I was always about yeah. the money. <laughs> Same. That's so funny. I... I... Also had the lawyer dream, but the first dream was a pediatrician. And I just feel like I chose that because we all go to the pediatrician. So I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> like they seem like they're important. They make money. You know, they're in here making kids comfortable. So that was that was my dream at eight. But um, same like you, the reading was really important. Getting good grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah, cool. I definitely took school seriously, <laughs> even back then. Yeah, yeah, me too. So let's talk about your tech career and the origin behind that. And how did that get started? How did you get into tech and choose the path of graphic design? Um, and then even when you got to college, majoring in a very techy <laughs> major. So um, how, how did how did that come to be? Yeah. So when I graduated high school, I honestly, I had like no clue really what I wanted to major in because I was interested in so many things. I think like right before I graduated, I was like, I wanted to be a forensic scientist. And then once I figured, and that was only because of CSI. And once I really figured (laughs) out that the job wasn't so like glamorous and it wasn't like what I was seeing on TV, I decided to, um, go to school for broadcast journalism because I was just really into music and I was really into like, I like talking to people like this. So I thought doing radio would be really fun for me. So I started off as a broadcast journalism major and then I switched my major so many times, but I ended up falling into um, graphic design because as a child, I liked drawing and I like art and stuff, but then it kind of just like fell off as I got older. I just kind of forgot about it, I guess. So um, that was just me kind of rekindling my love for art. And then I've always liked playing around with computers. So I was like, maybe graphic design. And so once I got into my graphic design courses, specifically, um, I was I started doing a web design course. And as I was doing, it, I was like, I really like this, but I was so curious about like how you actually make what I was designing. And so that's when I switched to computer science because I just really, really wanted to see like what was behind a design and how I could build it myself. And so that led me to computer um, to computer science as my major where I stayed. That's cool. So 
from liking art and well, actually liking music, interviewing, um, journalism, art, graphic design, and then computer science. Like, how do you feel? Do you feel like UX kind of blended all of those things together and that's what drew you to it? Um, because I think without like the real world experience, a lot of people don't even know like the kind of differences between um, front end, back end, um, code versus no code. So um, how, how did you feel like the UX design blended it together? And then how did you just make that switch? Or what examples did you see to um, kind of influence you in that direction? Yeah, so I think for me, U.S. design definitely is like it combines so many things that I love. Like once I really started working, I saw that I really cared about the way something looked, but not just like if it was pretty or not, but just like if it's functional, if it makes sense. If is this input really needed or is this really needed? And then I also found out that I really do like thinking about processes and overall flows. And so the way I like kind of stumbled into UX was I was a front end web developer and um, I was just like, I, I felt like a lot of other developers, they were just like, let me just get this coded and get something up. But I could not do that. Like I literally could not. I had to sit and really think about what I'm building, why I'm building it, who's going to use it. And I just really cared about making sure whatever it is that I was um, going to code was going to be user friendly and something that people wanted to use. And so I just kind of went on my own, just Googling stuff online about like how to make sure your websites are user friendly And then after um, Googling things like that, I kind of stumbled into user experience and I was like, oh, this is like exactly what I want to do. I want to create good processes and I want them to be easy to use and I want them to be valuable. And then I want to think about not just what I'm coding, but I want to think about that other person who's going to be using it. And so um, once I started looking into UX, I um, actually started doing just more UX work at work. And I slowly kind of started doing more UX and less coding until I got to the point where I just found a um, full-time product design role because I was like, this is 100% what I want to do is work with UX. You you have so many keys in answering that last question that I want to go back to and touch on for the listeners, um, for the SAS tribe. So first I want to talk about that you saw more outside of coding and, and kind of like, what's the difference between someone who just goes, no shade, but somebody who just goes to work and they are a developer and they're just coding, that's their day to day. Because I think there's so many misconceptions about coding and, you know, that whole people should code, people should get into only development, like that mindset that's out there, that sentiment that's out there that like, that's like it in tech, like those are the it people, like (laughs) those are the people getting the money, those are the people that have the, the most jobs, that's the most glamorous thing, like. Um, can we touch on that versus, you know, you saying 
well, that is, that's not what it is. Like I, I want something else and discovering that and the difference between like going into a job that's only, I guess, code only more like back end um, versus Mm -hmm. front end and experience and building the product really. Yeah. um, So for me, and this is no shot at developers, but <laughs> I did find the reason why it wasn't so pleasing for me and and it ended up not being a thing that I wanted to do long term was because I just like so you get in this agile work environment and I feel like you get it's really easy to get sucked into I have this story, it's worth this many points, I have to code this thing. And then you just get so stuck into, I just want to crank this out and get this done. So yeah, like ship, ship, ship. Yeah. And then it's also, and then also, um, it's just like, honestly, it also annoyed me things like, okay, best code practices. There are some things that were, that you definitely should do to um, have clean code. But I feel like a lot of times it was just people's opinions of how you should do something. Like I would have conversations with people about like naming, like this is the way I like to name this. This is what, I was just like, what, what is the (laughs) point of this? Like, (laughs) <laughs> we like we just let's just decide on the way we do things as a team so everybody's on the same page it doesn't there isn't a right or wrong way to do this like like um like for me I think I would get a lot of flack because I was very descriptive with naming things because I felt like somebody because again I'm kind of thinking about the user experience like somebody should be able to come in after me um after I'm not working here and see my code and easily be able to tell what everything is Versus a lot of developers were just wanting to be so technical about things and just like, this is the way you do it. And it just honestly just kind of annoyed me because I, I just felt like I like to ask the question why. And a lot of times I just felt like there wasn't a good reason for why we were spending so much time on something um, um, technical or code related and spending no time thinking about what the person is actually interfacing with and using on a daily basis. That was just wild to me that it was like so much thought um, put into something that again, like good code is, we need good code um, is, is, is great. It saves money if you code things right the first time, but I feel like there needs to be an equal amount of emphasis on the actual interface that you're building and so I I just found that it was really hard to kind of get that buy-in sometimes from developers. So I was like, well, you know, um, I think UX is where I fit more because I really care about designing things in a thoughtful way. And also, if you design things in a thoughtful way, it actually makes it easier on developers um, down the line as well. Yeah, that's so true. And um Two more things that you touched on that I wanted to call out is I think that, I mean, when you get to a certain place or you get you get comfortable, you kind of, you're figuring out your path or you're figuring out like what is your secret sauce, your zone of genius. Like um, we'll talk about that more later, but you're figuring that out. I think that you should be asking why, like you shouldn't be you know, you work in tech, you're, you're trying to move from junior to senior or senior to VP or whatever it is that you're trying to do, get to the next level. 
level up. Like you can't do that without asking why. You can't just right. take um what people are saying as fact and just execute, execute, execute. So I think that's very important for um for tech and advancing your career. Really just anywhere you work too, not just tech, but like advancing your career, leveling up, delivering more value. You have to start with asking why yourself and with the people you work with. Um, yeah. You going to say something there? Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, that's exactly right. Asking why. I feel like sometimes people are scared to ask why. Yeah. Because they don't want to seem like a butthole or like that person that's always holding up progress with the questions. But ask why. And a lot of times if you have a question, sometimes other people do, too. They just don't want to ask. So. It's okay to be that person. <laughs> it's definitely okay to be that person. Be that person, sis. How did you, I guess, get the confidence too? Did you always feel like you had that confidence or did you always feel like that's your approach when you started working in tech? Or is there something that you built up or worked towards? Um, do you have any tips for people who feel like they're scared to ask those kind of questions or to be that person? Yeah, that was something I definitely grew into. I remember my first position in take, I was a software developer intern, and I 100% did not feel comfortable asking why and why I was doing something or what's the purpose behind it. Because at that point, I just felt like I was lacking experience. And I guess I felt like maybe my question was elementary or something that I should know the answer to. But um, what really gave me the confidence was honestly just having to do unnecessary work and um, like working on something and getting in the middle of it and just being like, like, why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> or getting in the middle of building something and being like, there was such a better way to do this. And I'm really big on like time efficiency. So it kind of just got to the point where it was getting to me. I was like, I got to ask because it's just like, I got to ask because this, this is taking me X amount of time when it really should be like taking half amount of time and, or also just wondering like, why are we taking this approach? And so really it was just kind of just getting annoyed, I think, with um, what I felt was like wasting time. And then also just realizing, I think the more I um, kind of got into the tech space and was working as an intern, I saw how people who are way above me didn't know anything. And <laughs> like yeah. I saw that they were like, <laughs> I'm like, these people are supposed to be managing me. And I'm an intern and I know more than this person does. And they also get, so they gave me more confidence because I saw that it didn't matter how many years, how much time I had in experience. And I realized that there are sometimes there are some things that you're just naturally better at than other people. And so um, everybody's not a good problem solver. So if that's a, um, a skill that you have, then definitely use it and don't feel like, oh, you know, I haven't been here as long as this person or whatever. So um, I think just realizing that um, just because a person was over me didn't mean they knew better all the time. And um, like I said, just wasting time on projects, it really kind of gave me the confidence boost that I needed to go ahead and just ask why. Yeah, that is a perfect answer. And I think the more and more time goes by, the more people you're around, the more different kinds of managers you have, leaders you have, you do get to realize like 
Sometimes you do know more than them. Sometimes you know more than people on your team that's senior. Sometimes you, you know, if you're a non, if you're a no code person or a non coding person, sometimes you might know more than the people that are coding the thing. So I think that you shouldn't, you should trust your genius, trust your dopeness is something I always like to say that if you feel like you know it, you feel like it's right. You've been proving, you know, your expertise, your experience over time. Like just go ahead and and do the things that you know you're good at or that you're winning at or um, you have receipts basically to prove that out and just kind of go back to your receipts. And that's how you helps to build confidence. Um, so I want to go back to like, you've been talking about your secret sauce, your zone of genius. Um, what do you think those things are for you that make up your zone of genius or your secret sauce? Like that's your it things, um, design, UX design, um, and experience. What are those things and how did you figure that out? Oh, yeah. I'll say my secret sauce is one, being able to simplify processes and um, really when I say simplify, I really like I feel like I have a natural knack to kind of like hear a process and then be like, oh, like, why are we doing X step or we can just remove this and do this instead. So I think that's probably like one of my main um, things that really help me out is just being able to simplify a process. And then um, another skill I think is um, I'm empathetic and I'm able to really put myself in the place of people who are um, whoever the user is. I'm really able to just like think through how they would feel and just put myself in their shoes. And I think that helps too, because a lot of times I feel like um, it's, it's easy to have like, in your mind, what you think, uh, how something, a problem should be solved. But oftentimes it's like, once you really just put yourself in the shoes of the user, whoever that person is, you maybe can think of a way that is a lot more simple or just think of, or even think of, um, I guess what's most important to them. So I would say those are two things I think I really do well at simplifying processes and being empathetic and putting myself in the shoes of the um, user. And then also I'll say my last one is questioning everything. Um, (laughs) I like to question everything. Like if a person's like, oh, I've worked with a client before and they're just like, oh, we're going to do this. And then I'll just be like, why? Like, what, what's the benefit of doing it this way? And I feel like a lot of times people aren't expecting to have to say, like, why? Or like, what's the benefit? But when you question and ask, like, what's the benefit of doing this? A lot of times it's like you'll see that people are just people really like to add unnecessary steps to things. I've noticed <laughs> like I'm like, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be simple. Like things can be simple. I, I feel like people are so scared to just make something simple. You are so right. Um, <laughs> and I, I laugh when you said, when you asked why people are not expecting that. And I kind of find it like a, li- a little bit funny, really, when I go into a new job or work with a new team and I start asking those questions because it seems like no one has asked that before, which is right. crazy to me. Like, all these people, y'all been working here for however long. 
nobody's asking why we're doing this or why we're doing this this way. Like, that's insane. But anyway, so yeah, I <laughs> I find the same thing. I do the same thing. And it does kind of shock people sometimes. But I also feel like people respect it because then there's some mm-hmm. people who a lot of people don't want to ask that or they're scared to ask that, like we said earlier. Or they've been thinking like, this is dumb, really, but they don't want to say anything. So when you do it, then, you know, they kind of get a relief. Like I've had people ping me on the side and say like, oh, I'm so glad you asked that, which is crazy too, but whatever. Um, So yes, I'll be that person. So that that's cool. That's so dope that you also do that as well to me as a Black woman. I feel like it's respected too when yeah. you are the person doing that. <laughs> I think so, too. So let's go into your work with Birmingham Black Techies and also the Black Tech Takeover. What made you start those um, two communities and kind of how does the progress been and what's the impact you're, you're seeing with that? Yeah, so Birmingham Black Techies, I officially started it in November of 2019. And um, I really just went into it thinking, okay, this is just going to be a meetup group and we'll just meet up sometimes and just talk because I was working at a um, corporation and I was like one of very few black people in the IT department. So I just really wanted to meet other black people because I live in Birmingham, Alabama, which is a majority black city. And so it was just wild to me that it was just like I walk around at work and not really see black people. So I'm like, I know we're here. It's just, they're just not here at my job. So I started really just to meet other Black people who are also interested in tech and also people who maybe were wanting to get into tech, but just didn't know a person to ask a question. Because before I got into tech, I didn't know anybody who was in it. I didn't know anyone Mm -hmm. to ask questions. Like if there were things I was wondering, I I didn't know. I wouldn't know who to reach out to. So I thought it'd be good just as like a um, kind of a networking club or whatever. But once I kind of started it, we had our first in-person meetup in January of 2020 and the second one in February. And then of course, in March, everything shut down because of COVID. So that switched to um, it being more of an online community and doing a lot of virtual events and um, virtual webinars and just connecting that way. And now I'll say it's definitely grown way bigger than what my expectations were. And it's to the point where um, now I guess we're more focused on just expanding beyond myself and actually creating more of a team of people to help me do things as well as um, getting into like getting sponsorships and uh, just making it more robust and something that can exist as its own entity. So, um, yeah, that, that's Birmingham Black Techies. And where I see it going is I want it to become like my dream is for us to have a physical space, um, a hub for people to actually come and meet like on a regular basis. So like think like an office, but like a, a large place for people just to walk in and out and meet other people and talk and connect. I would love to have that um, happen because I feel like there aren't really many 
places where that can happen because like co-working spaces you usually have to like pay to um do that and i would like it to be a free thing where like our man black techies members can just come and chill and hang out and meet other people and maybe meet their co-founders and start up business ideas and things so that's a long-term goal but with black tech takeover that was um a virtual uh virtual conference held in February of 2021 and it was the first it was um so it started off kind of like Birmingham Birmingham Black Techies presents Black Tech Takeover and then it kind of like spun off into its own thing um because I don't know how to do anything small so I had to like create the branding and and all this and like make its own thing (laughs) yeah like like I don't ever like to just halfway throw things out no it's what's the point what exactly? What is the point? So it ended up kind of like being its own thing, where it was a three-day conference where it was like pe- people came and talked about various subjects. And what I think was really what people really liked about it was that it was very black. <laughs> um, <laughs> like there was a DJ, DJ spinning black songs. Like it was, it was, it was very black. And the uh, marketing was kind of like the thing was home was kind of like a homecoming thing. Um, I did not like, know you were going to say that, um, but I literally was about to say, "Oh, it was it was giving black, it was giving Beyonce homecoming," and then you said, "Exactly, that. yeah, <laughs> that is what it was. That's literally what it was giving. Like the marketing was kind of like band music and things. So that's what it that's what it was. And then there was like a chat going on during the virtual conference, which was probably the best thing about it was people were in the chat just like." I'm from here. I'm from here. And just talking and posting um, gifs and things and just connecting and cutting up because that's what we do when we get together. That's what we do in the chat. Yes, that's what we do. So that was awesome. Um, As far as the future of that, honestly, I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because so um, when when I started working on Black Six Takeover, I was working full time and then I was doing BBT and then I also had freelance projects and I was on Black to take over. So I got, when I tell you, I but got burnt out. Yes, like right. busy and burnt out. I mean, <laughs> burnt out. that should really be a thing. Cause it's true. <laughs> I was so burnt out. And then on top of it, and then like right before planning it, my grandmother passed. And so that was just oh. like a lot to deal with um while all that was going on so um once it ended i was just kind of like i gotta put me first lucius like i gotta put me first (laughs) like i gotta i gotta pause um and just get some things off my plate and focus on me for a while so like to take over and it will eventually get started back but i'm not gonna start it back until i have like a concrete team of um people to work on it and I can like really kind of uh, not have to play such a large role in organizing so that it isn't taking up so much of my time so once that happens it'll be back but um it's one of those things where I'm not I'm not rushing it because I'm like you know the world will go on (laughs) it'll it'll happen when it happens (laughs) yeah Um, I think a perfect way to look at it um and a perfect like conclusions of what you said of like putting you first. Um, I think especially as women that are ambitious, like we'll take, we'll do all this stuff and take on all this stuff. And I've had to learn that too, like over the pandemic and during the pandemic, 
right before, like, sometimes you just got to, like, even though you put something down, that doesn't mean that you're not going to pick it back up. Or that doesn't mean that it's gone forever. So, like, sometimes you just need to take a break, set it down, and then and then go on with whatever else you're doing. <clears throat> or sometimes something else might take a higher priority. That doesn't mean that you, like, fell off. Or that it's done, you know, you just got to give yourself grace. So I love that. Um, I love what you said about that. And I would love to connect and learn from you in the future because I'm wanting to start two communities myself. As you said, we can't do things small. So I've, I've had to like be like, okay, you're not starting two communities right off the bat. You're going to start one, then you're going to start another one later. And then you're going to, you need to like, have a strategy, roll it out slow, blah, blah, blah. So yes, I would love to continue that conversation. I know you put up a post, I think it was LinkedIn, where you said that Mm -hmm. you're looking to connect with um, other dope Black creatives. Um, So yes, this, I hope, is a start of us connecting on, on those types of things in the future. Yeah, for sure. I'm always looking to connect with people who who just have a creative itch that they want to scratch and work on things together. I think I'm so used to doing things on my own and I've just found that it's not sustainable. You gotta, you gotta work with other people on things. It's it's just no way you can do it all alone. So this is my year of definitely connecting with people. So we for sure can keep in touch. Yeah. And I think it was um, Issa Rae that said this and I love when she said it, like, how she started all these things that we see her doing is definitely like whether it was friends that she already had or whether it was meeting people like how we're meeting um, online. I think she said she met a lot of people that she ended up building these big businesses with um, and her empire with on Twitter, actually. Um, But meeting those people and then trusting them and then you guys are all building together, whether you're you might have your separate thing. I might have my separate thing, but like in building it and standing it up, we're, we're doing it together and we're kind of learning from each other, bartering on skills or, um, you know, different things that we can collaborate on that help us do our thing. So I, I, I think that was so dope and I'm trying to follow that model as well. Yeah. I'm big on bartering skills. I think it's, People should definitely do it more often because, of course, everybody wants to get paid. I want to get paid. You want to get paid. We all want to get paid. But (laughs) there is such power in bartering your skills and like, because there could be something that it takes like you an hour to do that will take me five and vice versa. And it's just so helpful to be able to like swap those skills. And I think it's a really good way to get more things out into the world. Yeah, I 110% agree. So you kind of mentioned making time for you and and um, self-care. So I wanted to ask you with all that you you do or you're doing, how do you make time for self-care and soul care? And kind of like, what do those routines look like in your life? Yeah, I think so for me, if I... And this is something I'm just recently started. This is not something that I've like, honestly, just always know how to do. But recently I've started where if it's a day where it's off day and I'm just not feeling like working, then I won't make myself do it. 
I will just let myself chill out. And then I also am learning not to call myself lazy if I have a down day. But it isn't lazy. It's necessary for you to be able to perform at your highest and your best. You got to let yourself rest and just repower and sometimes just not really think about things. And it really helps clear your head. So for me, that's one of my highest ways of self-care is just let myself have an off day. And then also... um, being really mindful about what work I'm doing on the weekends. Um, I try not to work on the weekends, but if I do, I want it to be something that I like that's genuinely interesting to me and fun and something that doesn't feel like work. Another thing that I do for my self-care is I'll play Animal Crossing. <laughs> and that's usually my way of just winding down. I just pull out my DS and just play Animal Crossing. And my nice. other thing is I love reality TV. And so... I that's my way to wind down at the end of the day. And it's so great because it's like, I don't have to think about nothing. It's just interesting. It's just funny. And that's yeah. a good way for me, like at the end of the day, just to like let go of work. I just turn on TV and just watch someone else's drama unfold. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Protect your peace. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, uh, I've been watching. Um, I just started watching Put a Ring on It. So that's been my new show. <laughs> nice. I'm not I'm not that much of a reality TV person, but I do like like mindlessness. I think mm-hmm. that it's a great way to unwind. If you're a person that's always thinking about stuff or always like figuring stuff out, problem solving, strategizing, whatever, like like you and I have said earlier in this podcast, I, it, you need lots of mindlessness. Um, and I, I think you probably should take breaks of mindlessness throughout the day because it's, it's definitely going to make you more productive and clears your mind, like you said. So I, I'm all in on that. Um, so let's talk about your new business. Congratulations um, on the launch of your site. I saw that over the last couple of days. Um, And then on Twitter, we were both in the um, shout out from Naya. So if you're not on Black Tech Twitter, Black Tech Twitter, I think you need to get on that. (laughs) You're missing out. Um, Let's talk about the business. How did you decide that now was the time to make the shift into full-time entrepreneurship? Um, that's my first question. I have so many questions on this, on this topic. So, yeah. How did you prepare yeah. for that? How did you know it was time? Yeah, so the way I knew it was time was, honestly, I was just burnt out. Like In December, I was just flat out burnt out. Like, it was just hard for me to focus at work. It was hard for me to pay attention in meetings. It was just like, oh, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got a million things going on and I am tired. So um, that really, it wasn't like a long-term plan. Like, I knew eventually I would do full-time entrepreneurship, but I hadn't, like, just, I kept, it kept being one of those things where I was just pushing off and pushing off because, honestly, the idea was just really scary to me. So, um, when I reached the point where I was just like so burnt out, so I was like physically not feeling well, I was like, okay, this is the time to do it because I'm just exerting so much energy here and I feel so unfulfilled. So I just need to switch and do something different. So, um, 
that that was kind of like my push as far as like what I did to prepare I've all like I said since I've been a little I've always been into saving so fortunately fortunately I did I had like a safety net because I like since I got a job I was just always practicing saving money and saving things and I don't know I've always had this thought where it's like I remember sometimes I would be like really just hard on myself but, oh don't spend this amount just put this in your savings and I didn't necessarily know what I was saving for but I'm like there's gonna be a time I think when I'll just I'll be glad that I did this and I was so having a safety net was just because of years of saving um especially like when I was at work anytime I'll get a bonus going to my savings if there if I knew I didn't need extra money to like live off of it would go in my savings so that really really helped me out a lot and gave me the confidence to um, just step out there and kind of give myself time to just rest up and do my own thing because I did have that to land on so that's definitely something I recommend people do um, save and I know sometimes it can seem really hard if you're having a lower income but I promise it's possible if, like, it, it may not be comfortable because, like, I, I was saving whenever I was, like, a broke college student. Like, I mean broke. So, <laughs> and I ain't have hardly anything, but I was still just, I was still save as much as I could because I just, it was necessary. It wasn't, like, an optional thing. So, um, yeah, that kind of gave me the um, confidence to do it because of, savings and also I just needed to do it because I was just physically so burnt out and just like not feeling fulfilled in the work I was doing and I just knew that if um really I was just thinking for the back I'm like I can get a contract job and make this amount hourly and then I can get another one and work this amount of hours like I was just thinking it through in my head um and I knew people who are who are um who kind of stopped working full time or just do contract projects and they were just like making so much more money. And I was like, I'm going to try this and see how it goes. So just jumped and did it. Yeah, you are, you are bringing it back to <laughs> 2021 for me because I, I also did a similar thing, which I took a career break. I didn't have another job lined up Joined the great resignation. Just, um, Cause I was, I couldn't take that job anymore. And I was supposed to be going into a, a contract job, but then I think they, they switched it up on me and I ended up taking it still, which now I kind of feel like, I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm feeling that anymore, but cause it's full time and I wanted to be contract. As you said, I've done contract so many times and like the way you can just do two contract jobs, it's mm-hmm. like, it just makes way more sense <laughs> for the point of life where I'm at right now. But um, I, I I can get back to that at any time. But do you feel like you're going to stay full-time entrepreneur or I think they're calling it like flexpreneur or whatever. Like there's some name for it where you sometimes you work, but then you work more like freelance consulting, contracting, um, but you're also like full time, more full time in your business. Like your mindset and your energy is full time on the business, but then sometimes you might like dibble and dabble in in working using your skill set. Do you think that that's something that you 
are doing or want to do? Or are you just like all in one of those people that are like, no, I'm a found, I'm going to be a founder. I'm going to build all this stuff. I'm not working, whatever. Yeah. So right now I would definitely consider myself more of a flexpreneur and um, just because it was kind of easier for me to start that way. So I was luckily able to get a contract project where it was really flexible. Like there there wasn't like a start or end date. It's just kind of like I could work as much or a little as I wanted to. And it's um, ed tech focus, which is an area I'm really interested in. So I've kind of just had the mindset where I will, I'll work on projects for companies that are interesting to me. And um, so, but I will not do it more than like, I will not give them more than 15 hours a week. Um, So you're more um, like when you do part-time working. When I say working like corporate. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So right now um, I am, I'm in a really cool position where it's like, I'm doing UX contract work for this black owned um, tech consulting firm. And so they have like multiple projects and I can kind of say, oh, I want to hop on this and do some hours or hop on this. Um, but they actually had a project that I was pretty interested in. It was like a few, like, well, it was supposed to be a few months, but I got done with the work pretty quick because I was just interested in it. So, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's kind of giving me flexibility, which I really like. But then I also, I mostly want to spend my time, one, growing Birmingham Black Techies. Um, so I've been giving that a lot more time and also starting up um, my own, like, just the UX and um, customer experience and process automation services. Um, and I think next I'll start doing UX career coaching because, oh my gosh, I always get emails about that a lot. And, um, so yeah, that'll be next, but long-term, I think I'll probably, I feel like long-term, I really want to, I like doing the kind of flexpreneur thing because it's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting to me because I feel like it's a, it's a great way to get more clients and also just to build up my portfolio. Um, and then also um, I'm able to charge more money than I would be for the average client that I probably would get on my own. But um, long term, I would like to get to the point where I'm doing contract UX work for like probably really large enterprise companies. Um, just, and maybe like, like I said, maybe no more than like 15 hours a week, but where I can charge a whole lot for the projects and have them secured for a few months. And then I could like, um, and then I want to like focus on releasing my own digital products. So like go through some accelerators and things and like release some things out into the world. So long-term, that's what I want to I want to do is like kind of have money funneling in from like enterprise clients, but they can fund me doing my passion projects and releasing my own products. Yes. Same. I'm lighting up because I'm, I don't, I don't think I've said this yet, but I'm um, currently I'm a design systems manager. And so like that space is super niche. So one of my reasons for really wanting to stay at this job is because I know that once I'm done with this, the consulting will be sky, sky's the limit because 
there's not that many people who know how to build design systems and manage them. So um, I'm with that. Like I would like love to be part time because I like that steady money coming in. Also, it helps you like with credibility. Like there's so much that comes from quote unquote kind of having corporate clients or working in corporate that helps you with your side businesses, your passion projects. So I'm with that as well. Wanted to do that part time and then, you know, grow my communities, work on my products. Um, I'm also a speaker, so work on my speaking career and keynotes and et cetera. So and then coaching, too. So, yeah, very similar kind of paths there. And then we're both in UX. So that's funny. How would you, I guess, like encourage somebody who wants to follow this path? I don't really see that many people doing this um, because it seems like people are kind of polarized, like one, like push for the entrepreneurship or push for the corporate and don't really see like a way or um, a space for people who kind of want to do both and bounce back and forth between both. And that's something that I've asked on Twitter a bunch of times. And I see like, People will retweet it and I get a few comments, but I don't really see a space for, and I don't really see a community for people that are wanting to do this. So um, what would you say to those people who might be thinking that, or maybe after this podcast, they're going to start thinking about it because they never thought about it before. They didn't really know that that was a thing. Yeah. um, I would say, Identify your motivator. Like for me, my motivation is just taking control of what I work on. Like that's my biggest work, my biggest like thing. So it's like if I want to work on this contract project for this um, corporation or nonprofit or whatever, do it. But then if I also, you know, want to have time to do my own things and my um, own consulting work, do do both. So I feel like. Like, it doesn't have to be, like you said, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I feel like people kind of feel like they have to go all in on one and you don't. It's just all about taking control of your career and doing things that you find interesting. Um, And then also, I would say it kind of depends on people's comfort level with financial instability. Because for me, I'm not comfortable with it. Like, I just like the idea of not knowing if I'm going to have a check or money the next month, like that freaks me out and it like, will worry me. So I have to have something um, to fall back on. Like, I know, like, let me see, like last week with my contract gig, I literally worked four hours, <laughs> but <laughs> it was fine because I'm just like. I decided to do this four hours. Like, and if I wanted to, if I want to work more, I can. If I don't want to, I don't have to. So, so I would say my first tip is to find a gig that works for you, not against you. Because I, I'm really, I really love that I have that flexibility to work as much or as little as I want to, and it doesn't feel like like it's not a it doesn't feel like a job. Like, you know, like, it's like, like nobody's over my shoulder and nobody's like, you only worked four hours last week. Nobody cares pretty much as long as I hand over some mock-ups 
within like a reasonable amount of time. That's all people care about. So I will say my first tip is just to find a contract. If you decide you want to do kind of flex, find a contract that works for you and something that will allow you to set the hours you work and how little and how much and Definitely not something where you're sitting in meetings because that's, I mean, what's the point? It's like having a, a full-time job at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like something that works with your schedule where you can be flexible. And once you find that, like once you find that one company, I would say, try. I mean, like just stick, stick with them and maybe you can find more. But for me right now, one is fine. But so, yeah, I would say just kind of think about how much financial stability or instability you're comfortable with and then think about what's most important to you. For me, that was just the freedom to work when I wanted to and also to work on things that were actually interesting to me. And also, I would say do a lot of online networking. Like, it'll get you so much further because like the way I got my role was just like literally it was because somebody that I knew recommended me and because we talked and had a conversation. So it's all about online networking, joining um, communities online. If you're a black woman in tech, you definitely should join Sister Circle. Their Facebook group is amazing. But just finding communities and networking online, I think, is really key to like falling into those roles that are more flexible. And another tip I would give is to stick to your standards and and what you want. Because I've had people who've like told me about work opportunities, but then I could just tell. I was just like, would I be able to have a week where I work 10 hours and then the next week where I work five? Like, how, would I be able to? And if they are come back like, no, we really would want you to, you know, kind of have a steady like 20 then no this is an opportunity for me so then i'll just turn it down because um it's like at the end of the day i am working for myself so i can decide what projects i take on i don't have to do anything so i think just kind of taking that ownership and being okay with saying no to things i feel like it can be really scary sometimes to say no because you're like oh if i say no this opportunity um but, you know, you have to say no to some bad things to get the good things and things that are best for you. And if you're caught up working on things, you know, that you don't really care about or aren't really for you, then you won't be able to accept those opportunities that are. So it can be um, yeah. it can be scary. Like, it's scary. <laughs> like, I'm not even a lie. Like, before, <laughs> before like. I was it's maybe like a month and a half after I quit my full time job before I found the the contract role that like was really good for me and I was like freaking out I was like, ah like this is this is kind of scary but I'm really really glad that I stuck to my guns and didn't just take something um, just out of fear because I would have regretted it and now I'm at a place where I can work on my own passion projects and work on products that I want to work on so it's, it's, I'm in a really good space now you dropped so many gems I'll probably have to do a recap after this to make sure everybody caught them but what is important that I feel like what you said is reclaiming your time Career ownership, which is something that I always preach and stick to. Um, 
finding companies that work for you, mm-hmm. like not the other way around. Like it should be an exchange of I'm doing this, you're doing whatever you're doing, paying me, giving me my time back, whatever it is that you're exchanging with that company um, for your skill set and for your time, which I think is so important. And it, it and it is scary, but I, I also think too that like all money is not good money and all opportunities are not like you shouldn't be making career choices out of fear and desperation. Like that is something big that you said that I've also learned too throughout my career is like, no, you should be making those decisions based on what you want, your needs, what you want to do, what's important to you, your values. So all good, all great tips and, and, so many gems and keys um, that you mentioned. So lastly, I wanted to be able to shout out your new site um, and the work that you're doing. So if you could talk about that and then also tell everybody where we can find you um, online. Yeah, so my new website, I um, just released it beginning of this week. It's nidthetechie.com and that's spelled N-I-T-H-E. E-E-T-E-C-H-I-E dot com. And that's a shot. That's like a um, shout out to Megan Thee Stallion, of course. Um, it's not the techie, but um, uh, I love that. I didn't I didn't know what it what it meant at first. But now that I'm looking at it and you said that. Oh, that is that is so dope. To yes. shout out to Meg. Um, shout out to Meg. That is fire. Fire. Yeah. Yes, shout out to Meg. She is my Aquarian sister. So I had to give her to acknowledge her. With shout you. out to Meg. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's nazitechie.com. But um, if you go there, you can see my services, which are UX design consulting so if if you have a web application or mobile application idea that you want to see conceptualized that's pretty much what that service is or if you want to redesign something currently and um, i have to say like i really do enjoy designing applications like i love it i love it i love it just thinking through the process and thinking of a way to simplify things um is really my strong point so if you do have an idea that you want to see visualize maybe you're a startup or an entrepreneur and you need a prototype or something yeah hit me up and so then next service is customer experience strategy so this is something that i've just like i've I've recently learned about i think last year and i realized that i was doing it but i didn't know the name of it so customer experience strategy is pretty much where you map out the entire customer journey from point of brand recognition to the end of their relationship so like say so this is something i actually did with Birmingham black techies and hadn't really realized it so it was just like thinking of finding an amazing person to do our logo and coming up with this brand and thinking of where our audience is going to find us and making sure they can find us making it easy for them to find us making sure when they go to your website that it's easy to find you everywhere like pretty much making it easy throughout the whole entire process. I think customer experience strategy is also, I feel like people in nonprofit places probably don't really realize how much they need it, but you really need it if you are a nonprofit looking for like volunteers, because you need to have that process as easy as possible for them to sign up, for them to know what's happening, for them to like 
to for them to give their volunteer service to you. So I really encourage nonprofits that are volunteer based to really um, look into getting your customer experience strategy um, strategy finalized because I feel like that can really help uh, organization if you make it as easy as possible for people to interact with you. And then last is process automation. This is something that oh, I've fallen in love with. <laughs> um, um, so with my man Black Techies, um, that was oh my gosh, I have it automated um, so much and it's so helpful, especially with social media and um, like I just have it set up to where like I go to my air table, I drop in my stuff and then I put my schedule date and what platforms and it pushes out and even with MailChimp and I just do everything from that air table and automations and it's just so seamless and it's really time saving. So um, and then the last thing, which I actually haven't put on the website, but I will add, and that's UX career coaching. And that's more one that I'm just going to add because I'm always getting emails <laughs> about people, um, especially recently. I feel like maybe UX has become more of a buzzword recently and people are are. Well, I'll say tech in general. And so then when people start looking up non-technical roles in tech or things that don't require coding, UX is like probably one of the top ones they see. And so then yeah. it's like, yeah, then it's like, how do I do this? And so um, that will definitely be something that I start offering services for UX coaching. Um, and I would say I, I really, especially if you are a black woman, who um, is interested in UX, I would love to have you as um I don't know what you call people you coach a coachy. I don't know. Anyways, Minty. But um, I would love to guide you on your UX journey because we need to be in this space. I feel like we have a natural knack for problem solving and knowing yes. how to and take simplifying. Yes. We have a natural knack. Like I'm like and people I always hear people say, I'm not a good designer. It's okay. You don't have, there are things in you, like you can be a UX researcher. You can, you can, you don't have to be a designer. Like, especially at these larger companies, like there are so many different roles in UX for you to do that don't resolve, revolve around you creating mock-ups. So, so I would love, I love to talk to people about that and things you can do in UX, even if you don't feel like you're the most artistic person. So. Yeah, those are those are my services and you can find that at nithetechie.com, N-I-T-H-E-E-T-C-H-I-E. And that's also my username on Instagram and Twitter too. Awesome. Well, Nye, it was so good having you. I'm so happy to have connected with you. And I feel like everybody that comes on the on the pod is like now sis so we are going to be in touch for sure and best of luck i know you're going to do well and kill it in all that you're doing and best of luck on this new journey and at, as you go on into your full-time entrepreneurship so yeah it was so good to have you thank you and thanks for having me this has been amazing i really enjoyed talking to you and i can't wait to to continue talking and working on things together because i feel like we'll have a lot of interests that we share (laughs) yes for sure for sure all right everybody this episode is episode eight of the talk your sass podcast thanks for tuning in bye all right